Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you're blessed by this podcast, please subscribe. Once you do, you'll be able to stay up to date with all our latest messages. In this week's message with Tom Hughes, we continue our study of the book of Daniel. We see the fourth beast with ten horns representing ten kings who give power to the eleventh horn, the Antichrist. What does the Bible say about this coming globalist kingdom and the rise of the Antichrist? Let's find out. Y'all ready? Exciting days that we live in. Uh, uh, Pastor Harry mentioned Jan Markell's here next Sunday night. Uh, invite a friend. It's going to be terrific. Uh, anybody that's watching online, if you're in Southern California, I encourage you to come on out for next Sunday evening. Uh, it's, uh, we're, it's a fantastic time here. Three weeks after that, uh, David Tal, for, uh, uh, former major in the IDF, Israeli Defense Force, is going to be here. Uh, him and Don Stewart. And we're going to be talking about things going on over in Israel right now or wherever they are three weeks from now or four weeks from now. Uh, and a lot more exciting things. Great opportunities coming. Um, Pastor Harry had mentioned we are going to El Centro. Olivier Melnick's going to be there. David Reagan's going to be there. Uh, Lev Shalot's going to be there. If anybody here, you want to go down to El Centro or people in, if you're near the El Centro area, uh, join us. Uh, that's at the end of February. Um, and then if you're in the Seattle area in March, at the end of March, uh, Olivier Melnick and I will be up there uh, in the Seattle area. So a lot of neat things are coming, and uh, I'm excited. Um, we have exciting things going on. Um, we are going to be looking at living on the brink of the end from Daniel chapter 7. Uh, does it seem like we are? Oh, I'm telling you, we are, and I think you're going to feel it, uh, even understand it a little bit more in just a few more minutes. Uh, but I forgot to pray, and I need help. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We pray that you bless our time here. For all of us here and people watching online, to you be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Living on the brink of the end, we're going to get a handle on this from Daniel chapter 7, and I want to connect it with today's events, the world today. Um, this is from Dave Hodges. Uh, the worst case scenario has happened, undeniable proof that Ebola is now airborne. Uh, Congo measles, uh, more than 6,000 dead in world's worst outbreak. Um, what else do we have? It's like an atomic bomb. Australia deploys military as monstrous storm creates its own weather crises. Uh, this, the, the, you've been, uh, Pastor Harry prayed for the fires and people in Israel. You've been following that and seeing it. It's like we are not getting much news at, the, at all about that in America, are we? Just unbelievable what's happening over there. Uh, he, and look at this from the D.C. clothesline. Wildfire jihad, Muslims in Australia among nearly 200 arsonists who set fires. Um, now, understand, it doesn't say it's only Muslims, um, but you have 200 arsonists. And uh, you know how it is, let's blame climate change. Well, well, it's not. These are the hearts of people, 200 arsonists. So we're in Southern California. I'm guessing almost everybody in here lives in Southern California. We know what it's like every single year. We come around the summer, and we know, we know there's going to be fires. We know every year there's going to be a lot of fires. We know there's going to be bad fires. And uh, I remember several years ago, just thinking and talking with other prophecy people about that being a problem with arsonists 
setting fires uh, intentionally in California, e even jihadist attacks. And you could easily do that in an area like California, but you'll look at this in, in Australia, 200 arsonists. And this, these fires are just absolutely devastating. This tying into that says massive dust storm across Australia extends almost the total width of the continent. You look at these things going on. Here's this. Glacier National Park quietly removes its gone by 2020 signs. <laughs> right? Remember, we, so you and I have been hearing that if you drive an SUV, you're, you're a problem. Um, Al Gore said, you know, by now we'd all be, we'd all be cooked or uh, uh, the glaciers were all going to be melted. Polar bears were going to be living in the desert or dead in the desert. None of these things have happened. So I, I find this interesting, reading these articles, but we, it's these scare tactics. Um, the climate change laws, I talk a lot about those. I, I, I firmly believe that the climate change laws, their purpose is not because the people at the top are really trying to save the planet. Because I've noticed the people I all read about at the top, they have mansions, they live on islands, they buy vacation homes, they plan to be here for a long time in places that are surrounded by water. Why are they doing that if it's just going to be all devastated? Um, uh, and you look, you know, well, they don't believe it, but people, the masses, they got the masses of the people to believe it. But there's laws that are linked to 2030, Agenda 2030, that are all tied into that to conform or subject the world into globalism, which we'll get into globalism tonight because Daniel deals with it. Uh, four hospitalized after anti-Semitic mob rampages through Uman. It's in Ukraine. Um, uh, anti-Semitism, by the way, is increasing. I've talked a lot about it lately. It is increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing. And uh, we might get into it a little bit more, but check this out. Uh, this is from Stephen Israel, one of the people I follow on Instagram. May of 2019, Iran attacks oil tankers in the Gulf. June of 2019, Iran shoots down U.S. drones. July of 2019, Iran seizes British oiler tankers. Uh, September of 2019, Iran attacks Saudi state-run oil. December 2019, Iran attacks U.S. military bases in Iraq. De also December of 2019, Iran stormed U.S. embassy in Baghdad. January 2020, U.S. airstrike Baghdad killing an Iran commander. January 2020, people in the news media says Pe President Trump started this war. You know, you look at the absurdity of it, right? You look at this, and actually you can go back and realize that Iran is the greatest sponsor of terror in the entire world. And you, you hear this, this, uh, this thing coming from the media that is just absolute insanity against the United States. And then I want you to remember this, all right? This is Ilan Omar. Uh, that's the Twin Towers behind her. And um, she said uh, at 9-11 this past year, somebody did something. Just laughing off, laughing off the Islamic terrorists that hit the World Trade Centers. And now she's outraged that uh, this, this guy in Iran, who's one of the most wicked men that have ever lived, has been taken out. And, and, and she's outraged over that. Um, and these are the, she's in Congress, so you start looking at this. These are people who are 
uh, who are the future of America. Does that make sense to you? So I want you to think about after the rapture and, and the direction everything is going, what's happening to America. I know that globalism is coming. I know there's a new world order. Daniel's going to talk about both those things tonight. I know there's an antichrist. I also know that this government system, in order for it to work, has to have laws that subject everybody to the laws. I know in the system that's coming, it's going to be a time when people worship the creation, environmentalism, rather than worship God. I also know it's going to be a form, a radical, unbelievable form of socialism. Now, all these things are coming. And you look, this is the direction everything is going. I think it's quite alarming that there are so many people in America who are so, so short-sighted, they can't look at Soviet Union, they can't look at China, uh, or what's happened to Venezuela and these other countries that are broad and socialist. You, you talk to people from China. Talk to you, right? And what's happened in China to the people there because of the government? And you start seeing this, and you can read about this, well, that's not going to happen here in America. Yeah, well, it'll be different this time. It's not going to be different. It's worked out the same way every time, and the people get just, just oppressed and, and even thrown in jail. It's just, this, it's just absolutely awful. But this is the direction everything is going. It's unpleasant to hear about it, but this is what's happening. Erdogan, who's the president of Turkey, says Turkish soldiers have begun deploying to Libya. Why is this a big deal? If you've read Ezekiel chapter 38, you know some of the final things that have taken place lately. Uh, it, along In Ezekiel 38, you, you know, Russia, Iran, and Turkey are coming from the north. Um, but there's also a few territories that are coming from the south. Uh, Sudan and Libya. And you look and you go, okay, so Erdogan, the president of Turkey, is now working with Libya. Russia is now supporting Sudan's military, and you look at Ezekiel 38, and you realize all these pieces are in place. All of the things that are happening between uh, Iran uh, and the United States and the UK, you know, obviously. We're going to get more into that in a few more minutes, too. Um, some, of the, some of the things that are going on right now also that we don't hear much about. Um, so you have the United States has taken out this leader in Iran, was an evil monster. Um, Israel bombed multiple targets on the border. For those of you who do not understand, Israel is surrounded by some very bad people. You got Hezbollah, which is supported by Iran. Iran, in fact, Hezbollah is a rat, the strongest terror organization in the world. Did you know that? So you don't hear, you hear about Al-Qaeda, you hear about these other things, ISIS. Hezbollah is just uh, unbelievably strong and strengthened by Iran. So they're on the north of Israel. Um, and, and Israel's constantly dealing with Hezbollah. And then you have ha Hamas that is coming from uh, the Gaza area, constantly launching rockets into Israel and, and the West Bank. Um, and so this, this, this is what's happening. When you look at Isaiah chapter 17, I think we talked a little bit about it last week, when the battle of Damascus happens, when Damascus is destroyed, Israel also gets plummeted at the same time. And you look at this, and you see you got this heated, these heated things going on. By the way, this is going to be very hard for you to understand it, 
but I'm going to tell you because you're going to think that's impossible. Right now, some of you are looking at this going, man, and you have a trip to Israel coming up? <laughs> this is, how many of you have been to Israel? Okay, this is something you know, right? I, we tell people every time you go to Israel, it is the strangest thing. It's, it's like God has his hand, he's drawn a border around Israel. Inside Israel's borders, you feel safer than you do. I guarantee you, you feel safer than you do driving from here to LAX. That is the scariest part. Um, just driving around our valley can be scary. You're in Israel and you realize, I've never felt safe. There's a, there is a peace that you experience. As, am I right? As soon as you get off the plane, you go, something's just peaceful. Do you, do you experience that, Ron? No. No. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> and you, there's this peace. And you go around you go, man, there's nothing happening here. But it's like God has has just put up these angels or something around Israel. And I do know this. Until the midpoint of the tribulation, Israel is going to be a safe place of the world. So people say, I want a safe space. Go to Israel. (laughs) Um, Jerusalem Post. Netanyahu. Iran will suffer overwhelming blow if it attacks Israel. Um, So you you, you have this. Also, uh, Israel feels emboldened now because of Trump. Um, then there's this, this is what you do not hear in Western media. Iranians riot in the streets of Tehran, demanding the Ayatollah resign after Iran admits to killing 176 people when they shot down Ukrainian jetliner. Um, the other thing you don't hear about in Iran, so you have a lot of anti-government protests. You also don't hear about how many people are coming to Christ in Iran. We've talked about that here. Uh, really an, an amazing thing. Um, Here's something I know for a fact. So, because of some of the Iranian ministry we've done, um, there was a uh, not U.S. embassy, another embassy issue several years ago. I think it was about five years ago. And Iran is the master of propaganda. And so, what they did is they brought in two busloads of young Iranian mo- men. They uh, they, uh, it was Hormuz Shuriat. I think he shared this with, with us one time. And he, they brought in two busloads of ir- young Iranian men. Um, they, they were given signs to hold up. It was all these protests, death to America, and all that kind of stuff you hear, right? CNN's there. All the Western media are there. The video goes out to all of the United States and Europe, right? The cameras leave, and the men got on a bus. And they were taken to a cafe for lunch. That was it. The whole thing was staged for Western media. And you, so you look at these things and you go, the Westerners buy into this stuff. Uh, uh, but what we don't ever hear is what's really going on. The people coming to Christ, the people that are tired of being oppressed. And um, you just don't hear those things. Uh, there's this also. A rabbi, Yehuda Glick, interrupts Netanyahu's speech to remind him to build the third temple. Um, There's a temple coming. I think we're going to see that next, well, not next Sunday, Jan Markel, the Sunday after that, we're going to see this. Uh, But as we look at this tonight, I'm going to package this all in Daniel chapter 7, where we are tonight. Do you think that we can? You're going to give it a try, because it's all going to fit. 
So in Daniel chapter 7, remember where we are. We're not going to finish it tonight. We're only covering a few verses. Um, uh, but in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel has had a vision. In his vision, he saw these beasts, and the beasts represented empires, Babylonian Empire. Remember that Babylon, Medo-Persian Empire, Greek Empire, the Roman Empire. And then he sees, out of the Roman Empire, he sees this beast that has ten horns. Remember? And then he sees an eleventh horn that comes up. And then he sees another kingdom, and that other kingdom is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to start there where we left off last time. That is the kingdom when Jesus comes back. So in a nutshell, uh, the ten horns represented ten kings or ten kingmakers that are coming in a future kingdom. That's globalism, the kingdom of Antichrist. The Antichrist is the eleventh horn. He comes in. Uh, the ten kings give him power. Um, and then after that, at the end of the tribulation period, the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. He crushes the Antichrist and the globalist system, and Jesus rules and reigns from Jerusalem, and we rule and reign with him. That's it in a nutshell. Does it make sense? Okay, so as we look at this, when Daniel had his dream, he is looking into the future uh, we, uh, of all the kingdom, all the kingdoms he had, excuse me, all the kingdoms he had a vision of are now past except for the New World Order. Remember George, uh, the first George Bush? There's New World Order coming. That, that, that New World Order. Daniel saw that. This globalist system with laws to subject all of the people. Um, and Daniel then sees Jesus coming back. So he sees those things in the future. We still see those things in the future. We pick up there. Daniel says in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, I was watching in the night visions. And behold, one like the Son of Man is coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days. And they brought him near before him. In other words, God the Son and God the Father. Right? Then to him, this is to the Son of Man, Jesus, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit within my body. And the visions of my head troubled me. So let's stop here for just a few minutes. Start to make a little bit more sense of it since we're picking it up right in the middle. But we've already covered the other parts, so I don't want to go into those details. So Daniel's got this vision. It's verse 15. It's troubling him. Uh, you, you ever have those dreams when you wake up and you're like, oh, you're just like, it, it, it's, we all have them every now and then. Some people have them a lot. Some people have them a little. I don't have them that often, but every once in a while I get them. You get, it's like a nightmare, and he sees it, and he's waking up from this nightmare. He says, oh, this thing's troubling me. I don't know what it all means. He saw the four kingdoms, uh, Babylon, Medo-Persia, uh, Greece, Rome, and then he sees the revived Roman Empire, the New World Order, and then at the very end, he sees Jesus coming back in all of his glory to crush these other empires and rule and reign from Jerusalem. He goes, this whole thing is just messing me up. So what's, he, what's going on here? The first thing we note is the Holy One, the Lord, who conquers. So this passage takes us from the human dominion of Antichrist to 
the divine dominion of the Lord Jesus Christ when he returns. Here, Jesus says, behold, verse 13, one like the Son of Man is coming with the clouds of heaven, and he came to the Ancient of Days. What is the Son of Man? The Son of Man is a messianic title. It's a title that Jesus applied to himself 80 times in the Gospels. It's one of his favorite titles, Son of Man. Uh, in the Bible, you have a Son of God, as uh, Jesus is called, which speaks of his deity. Son of David, which speaks of his royalty. And Son of Man, which speaks of his humanity. Uh, so remember that Jesus is fully God, fully man, and completely sovereign as the King of the universe, King of kings, and Lord of lords. A little bit of theology. Jesus was not half man and half God. Right? He wasn't some morphed creature. He's fully God and fully man. He literally is God who became a baby who was born in Bethlehem. Hence, son of man. He's the Holy One who conquered sin on the cross, death in the resurrection, and He will conquer mankind when He returns. This passage speaks of the time in Psalm 2 when Jesus stands before the throne of the Father. So again, you have the Son of Man came before the Ancient of, of Days. And, and uh, look at this again. He came to the Ancient of Days and they brought Him near before Him. They brought the Son before the Father. You read that? Then to Him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations and languages should serve him. So, uh, so again, uh, he, he conquered sin, he conquered death, and when he comes back, he's going to conquer mankind. I want you to think of this, right? In Psalm 2, the psalmist wrote this. Why do, tell me if this doesn't sound like today. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers of the earth take counsel together against the Lord, against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces. Let us break the bonds of God the Father. Let us break the bonds of God the Son and cast away their cords from us. In other words, remove the restraints of sin because we hate what is coming from heaven and from this book. Does that not sound like today? He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision, and then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I have set the king of kings. I have set the Lord Jesus Christ, the son of man, the son of David, the son of God. I have set him on my holy hill Zion, and he will rule and reign from there. That's what's going on in this passage here in Daniel chapter 7. And Psalm 2 goes on and says, Ask of me, this is the Father to the Son, Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are those who put their trust in 
him. So this is the time when God the Father says, I'm giving to you the nations for your inheritance. Hence, in Daniel chapter 7, then to him was given dominion and glory and the kingdom. His dominion is an everlasting kingdom which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Note some things we learn about this kingdom when Jesus returns. He is coming with the clouds of heaven. Jesus said this of himself. I, I get excited about this stuff. Is that okay? I mean, this is just so exciting. We, if you're in Christ, you're going to be part of this. This is so cool. Immediately, this is Jesus' own words. After the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. I love that. And Revelation says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so, amen. Now here's the thing. What are these clouds? It could be us, because Hebrews tells us this, that there's a great cloud of witnesses the great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews chapter 12 are the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. I look at it like this, where the Bible says that Jesus himself says, I'm coming on the clouds. It could be in the book of Revelation, we are returning with the Lord. We know that. He's coming on a white horse, and we're going to be on horses too. This is at the end of the tribulation period. Again, Daniel is speaking of the time after the Lord, after the uh, Antichrist kingdom, the new world order, the globalist system, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back and he rules and reigns forever. He's going to be coming uh, with the clouds with him. We're going to, he's going to be seen in the clouds. He's riding on his horse. We're going to be on horses. Jesus is coming into Armageddon. He's going to cast the Antichrist and the false prophet into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever, and then he's going to ride on to Jerusalem and rule and reign from Jerusalem. I, look, I get so excited about this. I think Don Perkins, he's been here before, he says, man, you're going to have a horse if you're coming back with Jesus, if you're a believer. Listen, Don's, Don's told you, have you named your horse yet? He said he named his horse. Well, I think he said he named his horse Nelly, didn't he? Whoa, Nelly, I don't know that. I like that. But with Don, Don's going to come out again on a Sunday night. But look at this. This is exciting. One of the cool things I like to do when you go to Israel is uh, whether it be you're in Megiddo or in Carmel, Mount Carmel, as you stand up there, beneath you is the Jezreel Valley, a.k.a. Um, uh, the Valley of uh, Armageddon, right? Um, but it's really the Jezreel Valley is what it's called. And um, I love being up there. On the, in fact, when you're on Carmel, you look across the Jezreel Valley. On the other side, you see Nazareth on the hill over there. Jesus grew up in Nazareth looking down at the Jezreel Valley, the place where he is going to come back and crush the Antichrist and the false prophet. But I love being up there at Car Mount Carmel or at Mount Megiddo and saying, now look, everybody, look up in the clouds. One day it's going to happen in this very spot 
Jesus is going to return. He's coming, and we're coming with him. And to be able to have that visual while you're looking up into the sky, man, I, I think it's exciting. I get really excited about this stuff. So when Jesus returns, he is coming with the clouds of heaven, and he establishes an eternal kingdom. He sets up his kingdom on earth for 1,000 years. Uh, that 1,000-year kingdom is known as the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, it's found in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 20, where believers will live and reign with Christ for 1,000 years and shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him 1,000 years. How long is 1,000 years? That's very good, Nick. It's 1,000 years. People say there is no millennial kingdom. It's all just figurative. Uh, that's a bunch of hogwash. Jesus, we already been over this, right? He is coming back. He's coming in the clouds. We're with him. He's got his horse. We've got ours. He's going into Armageddon. He's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem as king of kings and lord of lords for 1,000 years. That is what the Bible teaches. And you want to know something? The Bible teaches it, so I believe it. That's how I roll. John chapter 3, verse 16 tells me that, uh, that I, forgot, <laughs> I forgot John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him won't, have, won't perish but have everlasting life. I believe that, and I believe this. This is what the Bible tells me. Jesus, when he returns, he sets up his kingdom for a thousand years, and he sets up, number two, his kingdom that never ends. Well, wait a minute. If it's for a thousand years, how could it be that it never ends? Daniel told us that his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom shall not be destroyed. So how does this work? While we reign with Christ for 1,000 years, Revelation teaches us that Christ had bound Satan and held him in his prison for that thousand year period. Book of Revelation tells us this. When the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released by Jesus from his prison and he will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth to gather them to gather to battle. They surround the camp of the saints in the beloved city and fire comes down from God out of heaven and devours them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever and ever. So this would happen. Satan sets up his kingdom. He's got the Antichrist. It's the globalist thing. It's the new world order. He, he's going to think he's absolutely wonderful. The, word, the world's going to worship him. They're going to receive the mark of the beast. But then Jesus is coming back. Satan's going to have our armies gathered together at Armageddon. We come back with Jesus. We already saw that, the clouds, right? You're saying you've already said this. Yes, but some of you weren't paying attention. So I'm saying it again. We come back with him. He rules and reigns from Jerusalem for 1,000 years. Although Jesus casts uh, the false prophet and the Antichrist into the lake of fire for 1,000 years, he did not yet cast Satan into the lake of fire for 1,000 years. What he did is he bound Satan in this prison for 1,000 years. The world, this planet, during the millennial kingdom, 
is going to be populated probably by billions of people. At least a billion, for sure. It's going to be populated. Satan is going to be released at the end of the thousand years. Although during the millennial kingdom, this world is going to be fantastic, Hemet, California is going to be beautiful, there's going to be a whole lot of people that on the inside, they hate the Lord. They hate him. We will be ruling and reigning. We're going to be priests of God serving with him. And we're going to bring in, the Lord brings in righteousness and he uses us as those vessels of righteousness during the millennial kingdom. So people on the inside will be rebelling, but on the outside they'll go, oh, yes, we love you. As soon as Satan is released, he's going to get all of those people that hate you and hate the Lord together, and they're going to try and defeat the Lord one final time. It is with the word of the Lord, Satan and all the people are going to be destroyed. And at that point, Satan is cast into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. So you wonder why Daniel's disturbed by this dream? Does that make sense? He's looking at all this stuff. We have the complete Bible. We can see what's going on in the world. We can see how everything is developing, and we can know, and we can go, wow, that's a lot. No wonder why Daniel was freaking out. Verse 15, I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit within my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near to one of those who stood by me, in other words, an angel, and I asked the angel the truth of all this, and he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Those great beasts, which are four, remember, those are the four great beasts I already talked about, the one that represented Babylon, Medo-Persian Empire, Greek Empire, and the Roman Empire, right? Those are the four. The those great beasts, which are four, are four kings which rise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever and ever. Again, that goes back to Psalm 2, right? Quote of Psalm 2. The day is coming, and also when Jesus comes back, Armageddon rules and reigns from Jerusalem. We get to rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So that's what's going on here. The angel's explaining this to Daniel. Verse 19, and then Daniel says, I wish to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was the Roman Empire, which was, this fourth beast was different from all the others before it is exceedingly dreadful with its teeth of iron, its nails of bronze, which devoured and broken pieces and trampled the residue of its feet. And, look at this, the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn which came up before which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. What is that? This is speaking of the Antichrist, but, but how does all this work out? I, I look at all of this, and I think of this next point. First is the Holy One who conquers. The second is the evil one who confuses. And that's, what, that, that's the world that we live in right now, with the evil one. Um, Damon Duck wrote this. I'm going to read part of it. I enjoy reading his prophecy articles. He starts off, and he says, Todd Hampson, who's a friend of my great brother, Todd Hampson has a set of books on prophecy, uh, the Nonprofit's Guide to, uh, Book of Revelation, for example. And they're illustrated. He was inspired. How many of you remember The Far Side and Gary Larson? That's like some of my favorites. He was inspired when he was young by the far side. So he writes 
Bible prophecy in a way and even illustrated to help people understand. If you want to really get great material, uh, I'm going to have Todd and, and his friend Jeff Kinley out here sometime, and uh, it's just fantastic. But he writes this. Uh, Damon Duck writes about Todd Hampson. He says, recently Todd wrote, most prophecy experts agree that the birth pains began with the rebirth of Israel and have steadily increased since that all-important prophetic event at some point, the baby must be born. Okay, stop here. You know what the birth pains are? Yeah. Okay, for those of you who are not familiar with it, Jesus likened the signs of the last days to birth pain upon a pregnant woman. The pains that a woman has just before she gives birth to her baby. All right? That's how the Bible likens the signs of the last days. When you get closer to the end time, the birth pains increase. The baby, hence, must be born. So that's what Todd Hampson wrote. So Damon Duck played off of that. He says, here's several reasons this baby could be born soon. The tribulation and then a new earth. One, 2020 has arrived, and that means the UN goal of Agenda 2030 of, and a world government and a world religion by 2030 is only 10 years away. Two, in recent weeks, there have been several anti-Semitic attacks in the U.S. and the Church of Christ shooting in Texas, prompting one prophecy teacher to declare that no house of worship in America is safe anymore. Three, leftists want to disarm America to bring in a world government, and the governor of Virginia, get this, recently threatened to cut off the electricity to homes of people that refuse to surrender their guns. Really. I don't make these things up. Um, four, it's incredible to believe that one-third of the trees will burn during the tribulation period. We've talked about that before. But since August of 2019, wildfires in Australia have burned about 15 million acres, killed about 500 million animals, caused the death and destruction of people and property, and the fires are still burning. Talked about that already. Five, it's incredible to believe that there will be a global economic collapse during the tribulation period, but the U.S. national debt is now more than $22 trillion. Six, it's incredible that ancient Babylon will be rebuilt and destroyed by fire in one hour when Iran has almost taken over Iraq, hence the land of Babylon. Where Babylon's located in Iraq. Then he goes on and says, following several rocket attacks on a U.S. base by Popular mobilization units, PMU, Hezbollah-related uh, terrorist groups from, uh, sponsored by Iran. U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo warned Iran on December 13 that any attacks by Iran or Iranian proxies will be met with a decisive U.S. response. Mr. Pompeo's warning was ignored, and the PMU fired 30 rockets at the U.S. base on December 27. One American contractor was killed, and four U.S. soldiers were injured. On December 29, the U.S. responded with an attack of five, on five PMU bases, three in Iraq, two in Syria, that killed about 25 people and wounded about 55 uh, uh, Iranian officers. Iran vowed to retaliate, and the U.S. threatened to strike back if Iran did. On December 31, a pro-Iranian mob broke into the U.S. embassy in Baghdad, set fires in a reception area, hung a sign on the embassy wall that read Soleimani is our leader, and waved several Hezbollah flags on the walls of the embassy. 
a nation's embassy, understand this, here's the deal, a nation's embassy is considered to be that nation's territory. An attack on the U.S. embassy in Iraq is no different than an attack on the U.S. Waving the Hezbollah flag on the U.S. assembly walls is not insignificant. Again, you understand who Hezbollah is. President Trump said Iran will pay a big price for attacking the U.S., and General Soleimani said Washington can't do anything. U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said the U.S. is committed to Iraq, the land of Babylon, becoming a free, independent, and sovereign state. Recall that Iraq was once called the land of Babylon, and according to the Bible, it will wind up in the hands of Antichrist, not Iran. Understand that Iran needs to be dealt with before the city of Babylon can be expanded to host the one world religious and economic system, he said. This is also fascinating. On January 2, the U.S. attacked a group of Iranians and PMU Hezbollah terrorists that were meeting in Baghdad at the airport. General Soleimani was killed along with some others. Iran promised a harsh retaliation. U.S. Secretary Mark Esper said the game has changed. Violent acts by Iran-backed Shiite militias in Iraq will now be met with U.S. military force. On January 3, 2020, Damon Duck wrote, the U.S. attacked a convoy of PMU terrorist leaders in Iraq, killing six and critically wounding three. Debka File reported that the U.S. now has a new set of goals, which is basically, one, put an end to Iran's control over the government of Iraq, Two, establish a more mainstream government in Iraq. And three, put an end to the influence of the terrorists that are trying to take over Iraq. Then he says this, the birth pains are growing stronger. At some point, the baby must be born. I look at these things. What Daniel is looking at, he's looking at the baby that's going to be born. And he's going, this is troubling me. Help me make sense of it. He asked the angel in the verses that we just read, and the angel was trying to help him make sense of all of this. We only have two more verses we're going to look at, so I want to summarize what we just saw, all right, what we just read. Uh, Daniel wants to know about the fourth beast. Uh, That fourth beast is, again, the Roman Empire, but then he's much more interested, as I mentioned, in the ten kings, and then the eleventh, the ten horns, and the eleventh one. Uh, Again, he's much more interested in what is still coming for us. The New World Order, the globalist system, and the Antichrist that is going to rise out of all of this, uh, who's called the Little Horn. So here, we have the fourth beast interest, and also he's most interested in the Little Horn. Uh, Here, we are told the Antichrist has a big mouth. He's got pompous words. Uh, We looked at that last time. He's arrogant. He directs all attention to himself. But we know this from 2 Thessalonians. A little bit more about his characteristics. The Bible tells us this. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. That is speaking of the eleventh horn, the Antichrist. The the, uh, man of sin and the son of perdition, same person that Daniel is talking about. All right? He opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship. So that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's going to take place after the rapture. By the way, 
this is one of the reasons we know there's going to be a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. It's coming because the Bible tells us the Antichrist is going to sit in it. And then the lawless one, again, the Antichrist, the 11th horn, right, that Daniel's talking about, will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to, all, to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Look at this. Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. In other words, they heard the gospel, and they rejected Jesus, and they said what the psalmist said in Psalm 2. How do we, let's cast the restraints from us. We don't want anything to do with the God of heaven, right? That's what that is about, right? Um, uh, they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. They rejected Jesus. They rejected the gospel. It goes on and says, For this reason God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but have pleasure in unrighteousness. Wow! This is loaded and this all ties in with Daniel. So let's race toward the end. You ready? In this, Antichrist, what do we know? He opposes and exalts himself above God. Antichrist sits in the temple claiming himself to be God. Antichrist is called the lawless one. Antichrist will come according to the working of Satan. He's going to be able to work miracles when he's around the false prophet. And things are going to be done and people are going to be deceived. And God will send them, Christ rejectors, strong delusion so that they will believe the lie. I look at that and I think, man, we live in a world, you look at the things that people believe, it is absolutely nuts. They're, the only way I can describe much of what I see that comes in through the media that people proclaim and people believe is that. There's a strong delusion. It's like people are at this place now where they do not care what the truth is anymore. Don't confuse them with the truth. They will prefer to believe the lie because the lie makes them feel better. Just as when you get to the book of Revelation, when judgments come on the planet, the people know they're going to be judged. They know it's the Lord who's judging them. They know they're going to be sent to the lake of fire forever and ever and ever, but they still refuse to repent. You look at that and you go, that's just crazy. Back in Daniel's, book as he's as we're putting all of these things together daniel also tells us that the antichrist has eyes like a man um, refers to not just a male person but intelligence and cleverness by the way just for the record every single place the antichrist is referred to in the bible it's always in the masculine so i hear it from prophecy people whether it be hillary clinton or somebody else they'll say oh they're the antichrist no they are not and they they cannot be just just for the record all right he will listen the antichrist will be able to solve the problems of the world with superhuman wisdom everybody's going to be wowed he'll be so impressive that jesus even said that in the last days uh, if the lord didn't shorten the days even the elect could be deceived uh, but but praise god we are kept by the lord that's how deceptive this is in other words, you're saved in Christ, but you're looking at this guy going, maybe this guy really is Jesus. That's how deceiving it will be when he's on the scene. 
The little horn, the Antichrist, will be the cleverest con artist the world has ever known. He'll be the most charismatic leader the world has ever known. He'll be the, have the most compelling manner the world has ever known. He will speak great things, and the masses will joyfully follow him, although they reject the truth, the Lord Jesus Christ, they will believe the lie. And in Daniel, verse 20, Daniel says his appearance is greater than his fellows. What does that mean? Um, it, it means this. The Antichrist is extremely attractive. David Jeremiah writes that when this man walks into a room, he will capture everyone's attention. He will have inhuman magnetism that will draw people to himself. This man will be the master politician of all history and the greatest diplomat who ever lived. Very last thing is the evil one and his control. And this will take about one minute. So, and then we're going to wrap it up. You ready? Verse 21, Daniel says, I was watching, and the same horn, the Antichrist, was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the Ancient of Days came, until Jesus came. And a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. I love this. This is so, this is so cool. So uh, the Bible tells us that the Antichrist is going to be able to make war against the saints. Um, Revelation chapter 11, the beast, the Antichrist, same one that Daniel's talking about, ascends out of the bottomless pit. He will make war against them, and he will overcome the saints, and he will kill them however Jesus is coming again so during the tribulation period listen folks it's going to be bad you do not want to be here Daniel was extremely troubled by all of this here's a fact we must be prepared and for me as a pastor I'd say we must prepare our people I must prepare our people uh, anybody li listen it's uh, very unfortunate from my perspective as I watch what's going on in the world, and I read my Bible, and I think you guys think like me or you wouldn't be here, um, there are so few people who go to church anywhere in America that are interested in the second coming of Christ. It is, um, just I, I just want the happy steps, I just want to know how to keep money in my bank account. Uh, and you hear, this is, this is what's popular. Um, these things don't tickle your ears. Uh, the Apostle Paul warned about the last days coming when uh, people are going to raise up for themselves teachers who tickle their ears. Um, in other words, make them feel good. That is what has become a church. And you look at this and you go, here's the reality. Daniel was troubled by this. I read the book of Revelation. I look at the things that are going on in this world, and I can say this. Uh, we are living on the brink of the end. We are almost there. One last article I want to read to you. It, 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 and this one of my favorite writers doesn't write that often his name is Matt Ward out of England says this regarding the strike on the Iranian general right you, you need to listen to this the way it's all summed up <clears throat> the strike on Major General Qasem Soleimani is a huge event it's a hammer blow to Iran he writes, make no mistake about it. It's also no over-exaggeration to say that such an action could well 
be the spark for a renewed war in the region, with some commentators even questioning if this could be the opening of a much wider regional confrontation. Some are even saying World War III. I'm sure you've heard that a lot, right? Okay. This assassination comes amid the widespread belief that he was actively developing plans to attack American diplomats and service members in Iraq throughout the region in the very near future. There's also widespread, widespread belief in America that he is, was personally responsible for the deaths of hundreds of American and coalition service members and injuring of thousands of more. Up until this point, he had always been the man that got away, seemingly immune from any Israeli or American retaliation. Many believed that he acted in the Mideast theater with near impunity. Not anymore. Iran has openly called this a declaration of war. Qassam Soleimani was much more than a mere military leader to the Iranians. With Iran, he was an emblem, a figurehead for Iran's stand against the West, the Mideast, and the world in general. He was seen as a hero, and now he is dead. U.S. Defense Secretary Mark Aspira, who I quoted earlier, has in the wake of this attack announced the United States policy to begin a preemptive, uh, begin preemptive strikes against their enemies in the Mideast to Iran and its proxies. We will not accept the continued attacks against our personnel and forces. Attacks against us will be met with responses in the time, manner, and place of our choosing. He writes in here that when people equate this to World War Three, they equate it to the assassination of Franz Ferdinand in 1914 that sparked the beginning of World War I. And Matt Ward writes, this assassination of the Iranian general is that big of a deal. Such an action without question carries with it the risk of swift and significant escalation, yet it's difficult at this early point to estimate with any spe uh, specificity what Iran's response will be. The immediate Western response from Israel the United States and regional allies has been to put embassies, bases, and all personnel, military and non-military, on high alert for immediate retaliatory strikes. Additionally, all embassies and consuls around the world, not just in the region, have now been placed on a high uh, state of high alert. The Iranians are masters of asymmetric warfare, something we may all potentially learn in the weeks ahead. At this point, all eyes are on, must be on Iran. Much of what happens over the coming weeks and months will be determined by how Iran responds to this assassination. When Iran does respond, they will be walking a very fine tightrope indeed. Not go far enough, they look weak. Go too far, they will provoke a war with a country that they cannot defeat. There is a very real danger that any Iranian response could lock both them and the United States into a cycle of mutual escalation that might end in a much wider war. The Iranians have equipped and paid for massive missile force in Lebanon, estimated to, by some to be as many as 110,000 rockets, all pointed at Israel. It is hard for me to overstate the potential significance of this moment. Whatever happens, one thing is certain, the United States is closer now to a real direct hot war with Iran than it's ever been. Equally for the U.S., the end result of this may be a huge loss of influence. Think of this. Iraq has already declared this U.S. assassination to be against their sovereignty. 
in this context, it may well now lead to the forced military withdrawal of the United States from Iraq, a question that the Iraqi government was already considering before the strike occurred. This would be a huge worldwide humiliation for America. Hence, you've heard over the last few days where the United States has said, we are not pulling out of Iraq because of this. Considering the tangled alliances in the Mideast and that Soleimani controlled Iran foreign policy across the region, we very well could be looking at a Franz Ferdinand 1940 moment that led into World War I. And he says this, I've been watching the Middle East intently for 25 years now, and this is one of the most frightening set of circumstances that I've ever seen. What happens next, no one can reliably predict. But one thing is for sure, something is going to happen. When, where, and how, we will just have to wait and see. So I look at all of these things in Bible prophecy. I know the direction that things are going. I don't know exactly how they're all going to go down. I don't know the timing of how they're all going to go down, but I do know that Jesus is coming. And I do know that we have a rocky world between now and then. And I do understand why Daniel was troubled. I'll close with this from Peter, Second Peter, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts, saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord? Amen? So, that wasn't the most hopeful thing, was it? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Somebody said, you know what, Pastor Tom, you talk about these things, sometimes you need a little bit more hope. Here's the hope. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I tell you these things because we need to be prepared. We can see what's coming, but we also know what's coming as we go through this. Jesus is coming again, and all the warfare, all the rapes, all the murders, all the child kidnappings, all the thieves, all the, all the bad stuff that happens in this world is going to be absolutely done. Satan is going to be dealt with. Evil is going to be dealt with. Jesus is going to rule and reign. And right now in Iran, people are getting saved. I hope that people in America start getting saved. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, for your ministry, and we pray for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.